while we're uh, turning in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, our children's church, of course, as always, meets over at the Welcome Center during this time. So if our, any of our youngins looking to go to children's church, Miss Misty is here to, to meet you, and uh, we'll take you right where you need to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 1 is where we're going to begin reading. You know, that's just kind of one of those songs that's hard to listen to just once. It's just got such a message in it. I've always loved the music and ministry of the Crab family for years, uh, way back to you know the earlier days of ministry. And one of my favorite songs that they ever recorded is a song called "The Reason That I'm Standing." I don't know if you've ever heard it. It said, "Someday the reason that I'm standing is going to stand in front of me." His name's Jesus Christ, and we're looking forward to that day. But until then, we want to be faithful. You know, I, I always enjoy. Uh, celebrating the good grace of God and celebrating uh, the victory over death, hell, and the grave that we enjoy as Christians. And I believe sometimes, you know, a lot of folks are waiting until they get there to celebrate it, but I just kind of want to celebrate it while I'm here. Amen? And I've got a feeling if you won't celebrate it here, I wouldn't count on celebrating it there. Amen? But nevertheless, I'll never forget, you know, I, y'all gonna not going to believe this, but I, I enjoy worship. And I'm not ashamed to just worship the Lord. I don't. I just am grateful to God for all He's done. I can't believe He'd love me, much less that He had saved me, and much less that He would allow me to be a part of His church, and that He would call me to serve in ministry. And I've always enjoyed worship and celebrative worship is exciting. It is, and uh, it's not about drawing attention to us. It's about giving all the attention to Jesus. But I'll never forget years ago. I was was new at a church, and it, it's always been my assignment that I guess is that um, God put some, he put the preach in me, he put some fire in me, in my bones, and I just can't be quiet about him. And, and my assignments have been where uh, folks have, have lost the fire and they need to get it back, amen? And this assignment's been no different, amen? And that's not me, that's just where we are. And I'll never forget I was new at a church and I was talking to the worship uh, leader and uh, another one of the choir members. And there was this song that we were going to sing and it starts out like this. It says, get on your feet, stand up for Jesus, you know. I said, man, that would be a great opening song right there. We can stand together and everybody can stand together and sing. We can clap our hands and just worship the Lord. And this lady, look, no, I kid you not. She literally busted a gut laughing at me. She's like, ha, 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 you don't know where you are. If you stand up here and sing and much less clap, you're going to be standing up by yourself. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I say there? It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter because I don't mind being the only one. I don't mind that because here's the deal. I don't want anybody to ever guess whose side I'm on. Amen. I don't want anybody to ever guess who I'm here for, and I'm not ashamed to stand up for him, not ashamed to sing for him, and I'm not ashamed to clap my hands and tap my feet, and, and just not at all. You know why? Because what he did on Calvary is more than I could ever repay. I could never, ever pay the debt of love I owe. He paid the debt in our place. Aren't you grateful? And if that's not something to celebrate today, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have anything better, right? 
That's as good as it gets. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. If you found your place and physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God? We're going to read these first 10 verses of this chapter. And I want to share with you what God has put in our heart today as I speak to you about an example of a resilient life. Here's what the Bible says. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God uh, in much patience and tribulations, in needs and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet also rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. And I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. For it's in the precious name of Jesus I seek your face today. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Speaking to you today on an example of a resilient life. It's been said that resiliency is one of the most important qualities that a follower of Christ can possess. The dictionary defines resilient as recovering, rebounding, or returning to its original form or position after being bent, compressed, or stretched. Resilient means after you've been bent, compressed, or stretched, returning to its original form. See, all Christians, and especially those who are called to serve as pastors and leaders of the church, should understand the great need for the resilient life. I was reading John MacArthur this week, and here's what he said along those lines. He said, it's an ironic truth that the preacher is often one of the most loved and respected of men, yet at the same time, one of the most hated and despised in his community. To those who believe he preaches, believe what he preaches, he is a revered spiritual father, mentor, and teacher. He proclaims to them the divine truth. He encourages them. He gives them hope and instructs them in applying God's word. But to those who reject his message, he is the judgmental voice of conviction, irritation, and agitation. To those who reject his message, he, the preacher, is a troublemaker, disrupting the tranquility of their sinful lives and turning their sinful world upside down. 
You've heard me say it from this pulpit that the only hope for a church, excuse me, for a world that's been turned upside down to be turned right side up is for a church to be turned inside out. Amen, I believe that. It's not the holy huddle, it's the people of God mobilized to make a difference in the community around them through the word of God. And the preacher has a tremendous responsibility in leading that charge. And for those who respect the word of God and the man of God, he will be revered as a spiritual father. But for those who have their own agenda and for those who uh, do not follow God, uh, certainly will not be the case. So it's been my personal experience in observation that resiliency is much needed in the body of Christ. It certainly has been in the past year and a half that we've lived through and will continue to be in the days ahead. Far too many of God's people, far too many of his children who have been rescued from hell and redeemed from their sin are becoming more and more complacent with a casual approach to Christianity. Ladies and gentlemen, casual Christianity is not Christianity at all. Christianity is not about religion, it's about a relationship. And ladies and gentlemen, when you love somebody in a relationship, you are not casual at all. You are very clearly committed to that relationship. Charles Swindoll said this along the same lines. He said that Western, which involves American Christians, they have become soft-bodied like a lot of folks. Uh, we look out for ourselves, our rights, and our conveniences. We have little tolerance for anything that interrupts our life of ease. When we're called upon to consider paying a heavy price, we winnow and stammer, and we politely excuse ourselves so that we will not be made to be uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Paul did not experience a life of ease. Followers of Jesus Christ will not have lives of complete and total ease. The Apostle Paul recounted many of his struggles in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but in chapter 6 today, he helps us understand some clear characteristics that are necessary to remain strong. And from our Sunday school lesson today, steadfast to remain strong, steadfast, and resilient in our journey with the Lord. Paul reminded the church at Corinth also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 that thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 58, he says, But be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Apostle Paul is a tremendous example of resiliency today. I believe that you too in modern day 21st century America can embody some of these same characteristics so that you might be an example of resiliency to those under your circle of influence and that you might make a difference in them for eternity. Walk through the text with me today as we look and see about this example of resiliency and let's notice what Paul is saying to this very troubled church at Corinth. The first thing he talks to them about is the shared responsibility of Christian servants, verses one through three. I believe one of the greatest blessings of the Christian life is being a part of the family of God, don't you? 
I, I know old Bill Gaither wrote that chorus years ago. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side for I'm part of the family, the family of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know also one of the great blessings is not just being a part of the family of God, the body of Christ, but being a part of a local body of believers gathered together on the Lord's day, worshiping him in spirit and in truth and mobilized to touch the world with the gospel between Sundays. Amen? It's such a great blessing. And because of that, we all have great responsibilities while serving the church, but it's also a great privilege that God meant for us to enjoy. You know, I've met a lot of people that endure the work, but not near as many that enjoy the walk. Amen? I believe God meant for us to enjoy this walk together. That's why I love Vacation Bible School. It took a lot of people coming together, working together. What a great week it was. Uh, when we have difficulty and the old devil gets in the sound system, you know, he's good at that, ain't he? Amen? And when he makes things skip, hop, and squirt, you know what? God just sends Connie right over there and she just fires off like, you know, hey, I got this. No big problem. Mozart, you know. And when Connie says, this is my first time to try, I'm like, it's going to be all right. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, look out, look out. So anyhow, God works through those things. All kinds of things go crazy and we have to just continue to roll and be flexible. That's why it's important to be a part of the body. If it had been up to me to play that song, we'd have had to hum it. Amen. But I'm glad God's got people around you and I that are gifted in ways that we're not. Let me just say this. If you will use your gift and I will use mine and we all use ours for the glory of God, he can put something together that's very beautiful and awesome and will make a difference for eternity. So as we talk about the shared responsibility of Christian service, let's walk through and look and notice. He talks about, first of all, that they were to be a group of unselfish members. He says, as workers together with him, I believe that. John MacArthur said the noblest view of ministry is to see it working together in partnership with God. Well, I love that. See, I believe disappointment over difficulties in ministry, it often begins with a failure to understand this high privilege to which God's servants are called. We're called to a high and holy calling. We have a great and high privilege to be a part of his church. And we can get disappointed over difficulties when we fail to understand just how good he is and how privileged we are. I believe working together with God is the key because some people get that a little mixed up. I probably have, I'm sure you probably have at times in our journey, but the scripture and the spirit of God which lives within us reminds us of the importance of getting it right. When we talk about working with God, that's very different than working for God. I've heard people say I want to do great things for God and there's nothing wrong with that. I've heard people say I want to do great things that will bring glory to God. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when you work for God, if you're not careful, you'll begin to work in your own strength and you'll run out of gas. But when you work with God, he constantly supplies the spiritual energy needed to accomplish the task ahead. We're not just working for him, we're working with him. I always say that about the people I've worked with in ministry. I've had people call me before about different staff members and say, hey, this guy right here used to work for you and he's applied for a job. I said, well, nobody ever really worked for me. I, I saw them as working with me. Y'all all right? Amen. 
Because I don't have an ego of thinking somebody worked for me and I was lording over them and all that. No, no, I worked with them. And they were my partner and I was their partner. We had a partnership of working together and that's the way it's supposed to be. See, when we work for God, we run out of strength, but when we work with God, he gives us that which we need. See, working with God means that we are focused on God's agenda and fulfilling his objectives. No one is concerned with who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. When you have a fellowship of unselfish members, nobody cares about who gets the solo in the Christmas play. Amen? As long as it ain't me, y'all do care about that, right? No, no, nobody cares about what chair you're in or which instrument you play. Nobody has any of this kind of stuff. You know, I've told y'all about the church I served that time that had the song list and these people had their solos and nobody could sing their song except them. Last time I checked, God wrote them and it's up to him, amen? And nobody has a song. I've always told my children and reminded them and I never put any pressure on my children to do anything like sing or do, that, that was totally between them and God. And when God used them, I'm grateful, but it was never anything me saying, you must sing because you are a child of the pastor, amen? No. And I always tell them, those songs right there, they belong to God and it's not yours and if somebody else sings a solo, I mean, you cheer them on. You know, real greatness is how you respond when others succeed. Woo! Amen. You know, we got the Southern Baptist Convention going on this week, and I tell you, you know, I've been a Southern Baptist all my ministry. I'm grateful to God. We got issues. Amen. And we've always had issues. You know why the Southern Baptist Convention has issues? It's because there are people, and especially preachers there. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, so anyhow, I don't get caught up in all the issues and the politics and the moving and shaking. I've really, I told somebody this the other day, there are two addresses that dominate my life. One of them is 202 Kimberly Lane and the other is 155 Almond Street. That's here in case you don't know where you're at, okay? Those two addresses where, where I live, where my family lives, and where I serve the people of God and the family of God, those are the two eggs where I got all, baskets where I got all my eggs and I'm minding them baskets, amen? It's very important we understand that. But not only did they have unselfish members, but Paul said, we got an urgent message. And notice what he said in the last part of verse one. He says, we're workers together with him, but we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. See, Paul had established the church at Corinth. He had been faithful to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to that church and to that city. Yet the church, ladies and gentlemen, was infested with sin. They had false teachers everywhere. They were enticing many within the church to pull away from the truth. What was happening at Corinth is still happening in our world today. But here's what Paul said and realized. He could not be silent in this matter, so he issues a warning to the church that must be heard. And I want you to hear me, church. This warning is not just for Corinth in Paul's day. It is for Heflin Baptist Church and the body of Christ in our day. He's saying, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Now, why was his message so urgent? People say to me sometimes, preacher, you, you just seem to preach with urgency. I preach like my feet's on fire and the devil's chasing me, amen? Let me tell you why. Because the message is so urgent because the hour is so late. 
Why was this message so urgent? Two reasons. One is there were people who had become members of the church, the gathering, but they were not members of the body of Christ. They had a form of godliness. They knew the lingo and the language and they knew what time to show up. They knew when to stand up, sit down. They knew all of the churchified language, but they were not redeemed, transformed, and born again. Do y'all think that's still happening today? Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. And I'm saying to you what I'm about to say with a broken heart and a very contrite spirit today. It is heartbreaking to me as a pastor of the people of God to look and see the masses of people in the Bible Belt who profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they don't love anything that he does. They profess to have a relationship with Christ, but yet church attendance is optional as long as nothing else is going on more exciting. They profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but when it comes time to serve in the body and make a difference for the glory of God, something else is always more important. There were people in that church that had a head knowledge of Christ. They knew about Calvary. They knew about the empty tomb, but yet they had not submitted to the Lordship, repented of their sins, and trusted him as Lord and Savior. Why was Paul's message urgent? Because people that thought they were going to heaven were still going to hell. It is still happening in our churches today. And you know, a lot of preachers won't tell you what I'm telling you because they're afraid it'll upset you. Hear me. I'd rather you get upset. I'd rather you get tore up from the floor up. I'd rather you get so upset that you become under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and you repented of your sins today and got right with the Holy God. Just get upset as long as you leave here right with God. Amen? Amen? It's okay. Oh, but there was another reason he was so urgent. It wasn't just because there were lost church members but they also had some legalistic church members. <sighs> now that wouldn't be you. That would be somebody beside you, in front of you, behind you. But they had some legalistic church members. Now tell me what you're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, legalism is based on what you do in your strength instead of the power of God working through you in his strength. Legalism is about all these things you can't do. I remember when I was a young preacher growing up around here. I remember, you know, everybody, I, I'd go down to the taste you didn't get me upside down banana split and there'd be somebody come by and say, preachers don't eat banana splits. I, this one did and it shows. Thank you very much for confirming that it's you. <laughs> hey, but I'm working on that. I'm telling y'all something. I'm working hard, man. I'm sweating. Whoa, man. Michael Elkins inspired me this week when he wore his Richard Simmons shirts here at the Bible school. Can I borrow that little wig sometimes? I, 
That might make me sweat. You know it's bad. We, you know, he used to do sweat into the oldies. And now my children say, well, Daddy, that's just sweat into the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. But legalism, it was killing it. And here's what we need to understand. As God works in us, as God works through us, he is progressively growing us in righteousness. It's the progressive act of sanctification. He is sanctifying us to make us more like his son, Jesus. And when that's going on, you've got to understand, it is a work of God. You can't make yourself more like Jesus in your own strength. The only way you become more like Jesus is when God does that work through you and through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know it does not come from legalistically conforming to an external set of rules. I know some of you probably think sometimes, you know, our preacher, he don't never wear a tie no more. Well, I won't tell you, I got a real spiritual reason. When I came here, you know, y'all fed me kind of good and I gained a little weight. And I didn't have any shirts I could button, so that's exactly why I don't do it anyhow. <laughs> There's a real spiritual reason I'm not going. So sometimes, you know, he doesn't wear a tie. He wears them blue jeans and them boots. It's because I'm not legalistic. See, I don't think the power of God is in a, a, a set of clothes I don't think the power of God is in a haircut I don't think the power of God is even in what translation of the Bible you read from see I got caught up in that one time as a young preacher I didn't know no better I got caught up in those things those legalistic things and and I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most freeing days for me was when I realized that all those rules were doing nothing but dragging me down and making me more like the world instead of making me more like Jesus. No, it doesn't come from just keeping the rules. But let me tell you how God makes you more like Jesus in the progressive work of sanctification. He does it from a spirit-generated, heartfelt love for God and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, my message is urgent because I got some people in the church that are lost that think they're saved. They're going to hell and they think they're going to heaven. I've got to tell them you're receiving the grace of God in vain. I've also got some members down there that have an external set of rules that they can't find in the Bible I gotta go get them and I gotta reach down there and grab them why? because they're too precious to God for them to waste their life being lost or legalistic so what does Paul do he quotes Isaiah 49 8 as he emphasizes the urgency of her message this is good stuff right here listen he said it is an acceptable time those words acceptable time are very important because in the Old Testament this is a reference to the time of God's favor. It is a reference to when God answered prayer and acted on Israel's salvation. But Paul uses a word that kind of helps us understand its application to the New Testament. He uses the word now. 
now. It uses the word now to emphasize the urgency of receiving Christ today and not procrastinating about a future opportunity. You know what some people, young people do this a lot. Young people in high school and college, here's what they say. Man, I'm going to have fun while I can. I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to kick up my heels. I even meet some college students, late high school college students. You know, I'm just going to go on to college and I'm going to party hard and I'm going to live it up and I'm going to do whatever I want to. I'm going to sow my wild oats and then someday I'm going to meet a nice girl. We're going to have a house. I'm going to be successful. We're going to get a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and then when everything's just right, then I'll start going to church and serve Jesus. God help us. Please don't give that message to your young people. Why? Because nobody knows when your day is coming. He holds your very heartbeat in his hand. Don't think what you might do four, five, six years from now. Paul said today is a day. You see, the acceptable time refers to God's timetable without any reference to man's timetable. He holds our heartbeat in his hand. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be procrastinators. We cannot withhold the message. There are lost church members, legalistic church members. There are people who need a savior and they need to hear about him from us. He also had an unhindered message. And here's what Paul said. He said, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said this. One of the greatest obstacles to the progress of the gospel is a bad example of people who profess to be Christians. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to speak up a little bit so everybody in the balcony, in the back, and everybody can hear, okay? Warren Wiersbe said, one of the greatest obstacles to the progress of the gospel is a bad example of people who profess to be Christians. Unsaved people like to use the inconsistencies of the saints as an excuse for rejecting Christ. How many people have you heard say this? Well, I heard it in my family a lot. I don't have to go. I, it's a... I can do, I'm just as good as any of those people that do go. You know the only problem with that? I hope you're not trying to be just as good as me. And I hope I'm not trying to be just as good as you. I hope that you and I are not using each other for our example of righteousness, godliness, and holiness. Because if we are using each other, we will constantly be frustrated and be looking for a reason to quit. Oh, but friend, when you look full into his wonderful face, when you look full into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and you realize that he is our example of righteousness and holiness, he is the one we look to as the standard of righteousness, he is the one we look to as our example 
Because ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know we all have the ability to disappoint one another. We are all fallen men and women. We all have the ability to make mistakes and sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have the ability to mess up. One preacher used to say, Brother Johnny used to always say this, we're all one decision from stupid. No, no, here's what Paul was saying. What we're doing here today is we're not giving an offense because we don't want to be blamed for the reason people aren't coming to Christ. We don't want the church to be a stumbling block. God help us. We don't want the church to be a stumbling block. Well, I could walk through all of these things and I'll probably do that at a later time, but I just want you to stop and think for a minute. Are you a stumbling block that is preventing somebody coming to Christ because of inconsistency in your Christian testimony? Now, stop for a minute. I didn't say you had to be perfect. I didn't say that you had to always be right about everything. Lord knows none of us. But what I'm saying is, is does your walk match your talk? What I'm saying is, is when someone watches your walk, does it line up with your talk? Does your profession equal also your possession? Is it clear to even an unbelieving world that Christ lives in you because of the way you conduct yourself and the way you serve others? Is your testimony clear so that if you and I went to the courthouse next week and they said, you know what? We've got a charge against Brent Thompson here. He's been charged with being a Christian. And they lined up the lawyers. I'd pray there'd be more than enough evidence externally that could, that could identify with what Jesus did internally. I'd pray I'd get convicted of the charge. Well, let me ask you, if that was your name, take my name out and put yours. Would you be someone that could be very clearly seen as a follower of Jesus Christ? <laughs> or would they look up to the judge and say, I don't know. Details a little fuzzy. I think we got a hung jury on this one. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. If you and I are going to remain resilient as individuals, resilient in leading our families, and if we're going to remain resilient as a body, I want you to know that it is going to take nothing short of unleashing the power of God within us to keep us strong to face the challenges that are ahead of us. And the one thing this community or no community needs to see any more of is counterfeit casual Christianity. They don't need to see a church that's a holy huddle. They don't need to see a church that's just kind of there because they've always been there. They need to see a church that has been set on fire with the power of God and is mobilized to minister to the hurting needs of people around them at home and everywhere else. Amen? So here's the invitation today. Do you know it? Or do you just know about it? Are you a member of the local church by 
paperwork? Or are you a member of the body of Christ because the blood of Jesus was applied to your sin debt and cleansed you and made you whole? Wait a minute, church. You say, yep, I know I'm born again Christian. Okay, well, good. But is it clear to people beyond these walls? Is it even clear to the people inside these walls? Do you worry about who gets the credit? Do you have too much legalism bound up in you that you don't want to admit? Let me tell you how we deal with that. There's an old chorus that says this. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Because as a preacher of the gospel, let me tell you, this would be the most sad indictment to my or any preacher's ministry is that people would sit under the preaching and never be made aware of the seriousness of making sure about their salvation. And that someone in judgment would say, I just wish somebody would have told me. But I went down there to the Baptist church. I just wish the preacher would have told me. Look here, look here, right here. Draw in, family. The preacher's telling you, don't play games with your salvation. Don't play games. The hour is late. The message is urgent. Today, today for you to get right. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. As he cried with urgency to the people to repent. Father, I am pleading with your people today with urgency in my heart that's not created by me, but created by the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, saying to me today, Brent, the hour is late. Oh, Lord, do what only you can do right now. Save lost people. Release legalistic people. Restore joy to our hearts and minds. And use this church to make an eternal impact on the world for your glory. Lord, may we never lose the urgency of the need of salvation. I pray it in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Here's the invitation. Just a moment, Connie's going to play, Marty's going to lead us. We're going to stand together. And you can take it one of two ways. You can take it, man, this is almost over. I'll get out of here, buddy, I'm good. But if God's dealing with your heart and you get out of here, you're not good. That's real bad. Because God is dealing with your heart, now is the time. You can take it as, boy, it's almost over, or you can take it as, hey, for some reason, God put me in this place at this time for this purpose. I have heard this word. I am accountable for what I have heard today. I must act upon what God has spoken into my soul. You see?
say, well, I'm too prideful to admit I've been a member a long time. Friend, I guarantee you I wouldn't let that pride stand between me and the lake of fire, I can tell you that. I wouldn't worry about what people thought. I wouldn't worry about what people said, whispered, whatever they did. It don't matter. What matters is what God knows to be true. You may think, boy, I got some things in my heart. I got some legalism bound up. I've been holding it, and it's been hindering me and people around me. I don't want to go to an altar today because if I do, folks are going to go home and say, yep, I knew it. Who cares what they do? They need to be right beside you, getting right themselves. Friend, hear me. The hour is late. The message is urgent. Come to Jesus. Lord, we pray today, lives are forever changed through the power of the word of God. We pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. Marty's going to lead us. I want you to hear me as God speaks to your heart today. Would you be obedient to the Lord? Savior's waiting. The Savior is waiting to
place for just a little bit. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and maybe you've held out there a little while this morning. You just know in your heart that God has spoken, and I don't know what to do. Friend, if God speaks, you just take that first step. I'm confident He'll lead you the rest of the way. We're here to receive you. We'll help you get a hold of heaven today. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, we'll help you with that. Because I'm confident He has the answers. All He needs us to do is obey. We're going to sing one more chorus here today. God has spoken to your heart, friend, hear me. Where you spend eternity is more important than anything we got going on today or any day. We want to help you know you're going to be with Jesus. Father, on this chorus, may the Son of God be glorified through the changing of lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Marty, sing when you're ready. You come as God speaks to your heart, friend. Time after time. And time after time, he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Thank the Lord Jesus for speaking to us today. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. While you're being seated, our ushers are getting ready in the back. It's it's been since March 15th, 2020, since we passed an offering plate. So nobody can say that preacher is all about my money, right? <laughs> now you know what I love about being part of the body of Christ or coming up uh, is that even through this pandemic, I've just been blessed by the faithfulness of our people and I, and I want you to know that there's something the Lord taught me as a young man to just trust him with the first fruits that the tithe is holy unto the Lord regardless of what's going on around us I had an appointment with a doctor the other day a Christian doctor and uh, Angie was with me I said Angie I want you to meet this doctor I'm telling you this guy loves Jesus and he ain't shame and uh, we about had church in that little room right there. We got talking about how God's provided, how good God's been, and how he showed himself strong through great difficulty. This doctor's been on the front lines helping people through this whole pandemic. And we began to testify. He shared with me things that happened in his practice and hospital and dire situations when God would show up, show out, and I just tell you, that's what's a blessing to me about being part of the body of Christ is we just keep being faithful whether it's a good time or a bad. We sung about it today in good times and bad. He is God alone. So I want to tell you, you've been a great blessing to me in your faithfulness. I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful because, hey, we got trails to blaze, church. We got people to get the gospel to from our front door across the street and around the world. And I just know that he's going to use just humble people like you and me to accomplish that great work.
So if you think we've got some things started, well, I just, in the words of a great theologian, we ain't seen nothing yet, amen? We ain't seen nothing yet. So as we give today, you give from your heart to the glory of God, and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed, and you can walk in obedience with him. Let's bow our heads together and ask God's blessings on the giving.
lost I would be. Amen. What a beautiful song. Oh, Jesus. Hey, just a reminder, too, also, that you can still always, always use our online apps and stuff like that. Forgiven, some of you using that more so now since the pandemic, so please feel free to continue to do that. I did notice, though, I only preached about half of my message this morning, so if you feel like you got cheated, you just want to stay around, we'll finish up the other half. No, I, I just, uh, you know, one thing, I, I learned this a while, years ago, you know, I always... A preacher always needs to come to the pulpit fully loaded. Very seldom do I ever get through everything I've intended to do. But that's okay. Because I'd rather come here fully loaded and have something still left on the table than to come here with just some leftover crumbs. I mean, there's some things that's better the second day, like pinto beans and butter beans. Huh? But there's most things just ain't as good when they've been got cold so anyhow God is good and he has been a blessing uh, through this whole thing and I'm I just grateful to God for y'all and just want you to know how much I love you and there's not nothing you can do about it hey just real quick on your way out today don't forget uh, deacons we meet this afternoon at 430 uh, I did mention to you one thing I want to add about gridiron day which is August 15th at the at the Pard building um in the next few weeks, we'll be, of course, assembling our list of volunteers. As you know, it takes a lot to pull that together. Uh, golf cart drivers, parking lot attendants, uh, tube steak cookers, and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, just all those different things. I know y'all going to go home and say, hey, he said we're having steaks this year. Yeah, yeah, Oscar Mayer. But, yeah, uh, but uh, ne nevertheless, um, there's just a lot of people come together to make that happen, so we'll be putting together some information and also ways you can uh, volunteer for that special day. We bring all of our athletes and band, cheerleaders, and, and you know together, and uh, coaches and staff, and really have a kickoff to the year to encourage them. We're excited, as I told you last week, to have Jeremiah Castillo going to be with us from the great University of Alabama. Jimmy Moore is all excited. Yeah, he can hardly stand it. You can hardly contain yourself, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, it's going to be a great time, and we're looking forward to that. Hey, church, as you go out today, don't ever apologize for being urgent about the message. And we put that little witnessing Bible in your hand a few weeks ago, and we'll be doing more about that uh, in the days to come. But don't be afraid to share. You say, if I mess up, what's God going to do? He's going to use it. Just go be faithful. Don't be silent, okay? Come right here, Joseph, Christy, and Kelsey. Y'all thought I was going to forget them, but I can't. Let me tell you, this is a sweet family. They've been here with us. Kelsey was saved and baptized not too long back and uh, just had the best conversation with her dad and my friend, Jojo, right? Jojo was down here. And uh, <clears throat> Joe shared with me how he knew that he had been saved years ago. He knew without a doubt that he had confessed his sins and trusted Jesus and was going to heaven. But he said, you know, I, I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I need to do that. He said he was a little bit uh, thinking, you know, should I be embarrassed or what? I said, brother, I said, listen to me. I got a church full of people that's going to cheer you. Courage. Amen. Amen. Okay. God bless you. Amen. I said, they're going to cheer for your courage because it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm, I'm getting a little older and I should have taken care of this, but I didn't. But hey, look here, it doesn't matter. And, and I said, and your testimony can inspire others who may be where you are or goes where you are that need 
that encouragement and just living it out ruins everything. So I am grateful God. Joseph, Christy, and Kelsey Hunt, would you welcome them to Heflin Baptist Church? I told you they were brother. <laughs> Amen. And um, Joseph is going to be baptized on Father's Day. Isn't that going to be special? Amen. So we're excited about that moving into next week. Hey, on your way out today, come by and welcome the Hunt family. They've been here. Let me tell you something. Two years ago, they showed up for Bible school with this little bitty girl who's growing into such a sweet, beautiful young lady. And two years ago, they showed up for Bible school, and of course, we had the pandemic year. But this year, Robbie, Glenn, Carrie, what y'all did we have? Did we have any greater servants? I don't know that we did, and they did it for the glory of God. On one night, it was pouring down, raining. And this guy's got an umbrella out there getting people in so they don't get wet. I'm telling you, God is doing something at Heflin Baptist Church. I'm telling you, he is doing something awesome. And that just blessed me. And when you see those things, it fires you up. And you know why I can tell this with him here in front of you? He did it for the glory of God. And I mean that. So we're excited to see this family be a part of this church. And we're, so as you come out on your way out today, come by and welcome them to our church family. I'm going to be out front. I'd love to speak to you on the way out. Please give me that opportunity if at all possible. And don't ever forget this. I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Stand together. Marty's going to sing us out. God bless you. Won't you have a great